Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And next week, we're so excited about one child and what we're going to ask and what we're excited to uh, do for many, many uh, children across the world. And I'm so excited to have Mitch Hildebrandt on. He's the vice president of engagement at onechild.org. And he's got quite a story, and I'm going to get it out of him. And I was uh, talking to Rosie, and she said, the buzz is, you got Mitch Hildebrandt to come on your show? Everyone's all excited. So I am too, Mitch. Welcome. Hey, hey, Bill. Thanks. Rosie was such a joy to uh, to correspond with, and and trust me that that intro is far beyond anything that anybody would even know of me. So how very <laughs> <kind of> you. <laughs> no, there's a good buzz on the street about Mitch. So we're glad to have you on, and your story is amazing. So I would love to have you introduce yourself more or less to our audience and tell them your story because it's a it's a page turner. All right. Well. Um, I was born and raised on a farm in North Dakota, so upper Midwest has been and always will be my home, although they're a lot colder than we are. I'm currently living in Colorado Springs. Uh, Through seasons of life, uh, you know, God kind of just moves and shuffles things around, and we found ourselves uh, running a radio network uh, that is now partnering with and now becoming part of Northwestern Media's network uh, out of Rapid City, South Dakota. In that season of doing so, my wife and I had been trying to get pregnant, and we'd been married at that time almost 10 years, so we were starting to get a week both married a little bit older in life and and uh, waited for the right pair, I guess. And it was in that season that we realized we're not able to get pregnant. We pursued uh, all the in vitro, all the other stuff, and we just didn't have uh, whatever it was going to take to have a baby. And you kind of, in those moments of life, I don't know about you, Bill, but in those moments, Man, you kind of kind of get angry at God. Dumb way to direct your anger, but mm. you kind of get mad at God. Like you kind of promised me kids, and I want kids. And and what do you do? Well, we pursued adoptions. Next best thing, right? So we pursue adoptions, and a couple of those fell through, and the last two both ended um, similarly. Uh, it was they were both teenage girls that had gotten pregnant. And um, uh, the the first one decided to keep the baby after we did papers and everything. Great choice. Good deal. It just didn't end up in us having a kid. The second one, a young couple, both 16, a little early in the plans and stages of their life. And, um, you know, they had had talked about other options. And we said, hey, if you carry the term, we'll cover expenses. We'll do all that's necessary. And we'll we'll adopt this child. And um, went through legal, got the paper signed, everything agreed to. And about a month and a half later, um, we get a, a message. She decided to have an abortion. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things mm. that kind of just punches you in the gut, right? Heartbreaking. And so you, you walk through life thinking that God makes a promise to you, and here he's not delivering. And um, you fail to think about what that promise is. And he didn't make a promise that I would have children um, you know, he, he made a promise that I would get to follow him and have that opportunity and everything else that comes with it. And it's in that same time, our radio network was taking audience members 
overseas on uh, exploratory mission trips, you know, 10-day trips type of thing, uh, connect with, understand a different culture, get out of the upper Midwest. You know, people in my community didn't leave the, the tri-state region. You know, anything beyond that, you were a world traveler. <laughs> well, we took a bunch of people, and uh, I got to lead a bunch of people down to southern Africa, a little country called Eswatini. And it's this little kingdom run by a, a monarch. And um, we're there, and two days in, we had a big group. So we separated off during the day, and my wife took half the group, and I took half the group, and we come together and debrief at night. By night two, she says, this feels like, and I said, home. Wow. And we didn't know what was happening. We coached hundreds of people. Don't go home selling everything and wanting to move overseas, thinking that, that that's what God's plan is. Spend time deliberately in prayer and everything. You know, we've, we've been the counselors to people about this. Don't do this. <laughs> and, but mm-hmm. we knew that we knew that we knew the Lord was leading us in that way. So I came back and um, resigned. And a year later, we landed on the ground and spent several years there. It was funny enough, the first month we were there, the king says, no more international adoptions. <laughs> now, we didn't go with the thoughts that we would be uh, adopting a child, but we were open to it, but that closed that door. But the door that opened was ministry to kids. Mm. And we, we cared for 6,000 children five days a week with food, with, with biblically-based programs, with, with educational support with hygiene practices and and support on the medical side and health screenings, getting HIV kids to the clinic to get their ARVs, their medications for HIV. And we realized, man, I got 6,000 kids now. And and how blessed am I? Uh, So we spent a number of years um, there serving those kids, moved back to the States when things uh, became a bit more sustainable. We bought in a farm that produced macadamia nuts that was creating jobs and revenue to sustain, to support those kids, moved back to the States and uh, pastored the church that we helped plant before we had left in Rapid City, South Dakota. During that time, I sat on the board for one child and um, realized I have 45,000 kids. And you see, we go down this thing thinking God has this one individually unique plan for our lives, and it's no, he has plans, plural, for our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe, Bill, that when people just remain open to what he has and where the Spirit leads and what the Spirit does, they'll see God's hand and realize what a blessing it is. And my, my wife and I joke uh, now that, you know, we've got 45,000 kids. I'm not, <laughs> paying, I'm not paying college for one of them. I haven't changed a single diaper, and nobody's waking me up in the middle of the night. But I am awake at the middle of the night thinking about what my kids have to go through, um, knowing and trusting and believing that we can reach more kids uh, because the need is great. And quite frankly, what has happened the last year and three quarters has pushed us into such a rift of extreme global poverty and its impact on kids that that's what keeps me up at night, knowing that there's kids in this world have to experience things that are absolutely unimaginable. The the Department of Justice in the Philippines uh, came out with a statistic and said uh, online exploitation of children is up 160% since the lockdowns began in the Philippines. The lockdowns just were released a little bit a few weeks ago, and now the new surge has hit and everything is kind of closing back down. And when you're a day laborer, and you make just enough to buy tonight's bread for your work today, and you're forced to go home, 
I can't imagine having to make the decision that so many of these families have had to make. That's my kid. And I look at that and I go, how could you do that? How could you exploit your child in such a way? And it's survival for the rest of the family. I'm not excusing it. You know, we know the Lord will provide, but I can't imagine having to make those choices. So, Bill, as a, as a child champion and an advocate for kids, that's a little bit about me, what drives me, what keeps me up at night, and um, where I know that we're going to be able to make a difference, make an impact in their lives. And, and I'll jump into, into Scripture in a little while, but Rosie, Rosie told me to preach it, so um, you, can, you can count that we're going to look at a little Scripture, uh, and I know we've got a break coming up here in just a few minutes, too, and I want to be cautious of that, but... Uh, so, Bill, that's that's me in a little bit of a nutshell. My wife, in a nutshell, she teaches uh, kindergarten at a school right across the street from our offices here in Colorado Springs, and we love kids. This is this is our way to uh, to raise up the next generation and sow a seed that we don't get to see necessarily the fruit of, but trust what God has for those kids. Yeah, Mitch, thank you for that. It, my heart is just full right now with what you have shared, and I just want to go back to some of the frustration and the anger you had directed at God. Did Charlotte have the same kind of anger? Yeah. Your wife? Yeah. In fact, it was, it was probably a, a bit more aggressive on her end. Um, you know, it's, she felt inadequate. Uh, her body wasn't able to produce the eggs that it needed to, to, to form a child. And so um, she took that really personal. She took it. And I know there's people that are listening to that have gone through infertility and that battle and that struggle and and uh, I know that God will see you through it, and that's the only way you really get through that kind of heartache is is with the Lord's help. But she took it uh, incredibly hard. Luckily, what it ended up doing was actually strengthening our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I've seen where I've seen where the counter has happened with other people, right? But I think when you keep the first thing, the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ and Amen. Christ crucified for us and His great love for us. Um, everything else kind of falls into place, and you be, then to begin to submit to what His plan is for your life, even though it might not look like your plan. Yeah, and Mitch, I know you're a radio pro, so I, I know you know that I have a short break to take. So when I come back, I do want you to preach for sure, and uh, then I also <clears throat> want to ask, are you sick of macadamia nuts? <laughs> no. Because that's my well, favorite nut. Well. It's my favorite nut, for sure. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, Same okay, here. good. Uh, Mitch Hildebrand is my... A guest, we're talking about One Child. Go to onechild.org. We're very excited about what's happening next week here at Faith Radio. We'll be right back. Carmen, Susie, and I are going to be talking about one child uh, quite a bit. And Thursday and Friday, we're going to have a very ambitious um, initiative to try to get a lot of kids uh, help. And we're going to do this with onechild.org. My guest is Mitch Hildebrand. He's the vice president of engagement at One Child with an amazing story. And as we get ready for next week, Mitch, maybe you could just give um, our listeners a little idea as to what the goal is. Absolutely. You know, we... We serve children in 14 countries, about 45,000 kids currently, through the help 
of sponsors, uh, really through the help of child champions. And you think about that phrase, what is a child champion? Well, everybody needs a champion, and everybody probably had one. If I think back at my youth, Joni Smith, my Sunday school teacher, was my child champion. She loved well. And it's in that embrace and that experience that a child begins to dream and have hope. And, and then it's in that hope, which is action, that's a verb, right? Because it's the fuel that takes a vision of what can I be one day or what can I do one day and brings it into a reality. So we're going to be asking you, the listener, to come alongside and sponsor a child. Be a child champion. Find a child that's in need that you can match up with your family, with your life. Maybe be pen pals, uh, do all that. But, but really, I want to encourage people to do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, the hope is action with fuel to, from vision to reality. And, and the Bible says just as faith without works is dead, I think we can pretty much align that with compassion without action goes nowhere, right? So we're going to ask you to be compassionate, ask you to give, ask you to help support a child. And, and there's, here's something I've learned, Bill. Every parent I know, when you express love for their child, you've just shown love to that parent. Think of anybody that's ever walked alongside of you or supported your child along the way. You've gotten a message from that person that they're valued, that, they're val- that you are valuable, and, and that somebody cares about you enough to care about your child. We're going to ask you to do that next week in a very robust way for several hours at a time. We're going to just ask you. We're going to share stories uh, that may touch your heart, but more importantly, I hope will touch your spirit and draw you into a deeper relationship of understanding culture. This is a relationship that helps you disciple your children at home, that helps you to grow in the Lord because you're fulfilling a mandate. You know, last hour, Bill, I heard you guys talking about Hebrews 11 a little bit. I want to just back up a little bit. Hebrews 10:24. So let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Next week, we're going to consider you and stir up love and good works together. And, and as we think about that, and then it goes on to talk about assembling and being together and exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day of the Lord approaching, and that day is approaching. And, and then we think about who, who we do that with. We do that with the people that we know, that we come along the side of the road, that we stir it up amongst others, and others are our neighbors. And we know that according to what Dr. Luke recites in, in, in Luke 10, he who showed mercy on him, who? Your neighbor, everyone. That's who we should be stirring up. And then we get the promise in Acts 1-8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and be your witnesses. Maybe you can't go. Maybe you don't have a passport. This is your way to go into the, all of the earth and make an impact, a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. But the key is it's not about any one of us. It's about the collective. It's about all of us doing our part so that God sees the great increase of that. And, Bill, I love that. I love coming alongside somebody, walking with them in their Christian journey, seeing them experience God's wholeness, the abundant life that he has for us, which includes us giving, which includes us supporting the poor, which includes us stepping out of our comfort zone. Uh, Isaiah 58 is pretty clear. If, If you haven't read that recently, I really encourage you to do so. Here we've got this whole group of, of Israelites complaining, oh, Lord, we've been doing this and this and this, and you're not noticing us. And, and, and I love God's response, and, and I try not to add too much flip into it, but God says, is it a fast that I've chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? He goes on to say, it's spread out the sackcloth and ashes. Do you really call that a fast? That's an acceptable day to me? 
No, the fast I want is loose the bonds of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, go free, break every yoke. Isn't it to share bread with the hungry? And he goes on to talk about the naked, not hiding ourselves from our own flesh. And God just lays it out there. That's his expectation of us. That's the fast that's worthy. And I want to be someone that offers a worthy fast to the Lord. I remember years ago, Bill, uh, Rich Mullins, we all, anybody that's been in radio for a while remembers Rich Mullins, but he had a quote, and I love it, and I try to live by it, and I fail often, but my, his quote was, my goal is to live my life so someone else's life is richer because I lived. And, and I just, I love that. I cling to that going, man, if I could just do that, would that not do what you talked about last hour, draw people into asking me why I am so that I can explain, make a defense to all who ask? Back to Isaiah 58, Bill. As we read on, we do these things. In Isaiah 58, 8, the, the, the mood shifts, right? The, the, the storyline, you can almost feel the, the music bed increasing as the storyline <laughs> grows, right? Your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you'll call, and the Lord will say, here I am. They're complaining that he's not paying attention, and he says, do this, and I will then say, here I am. He goes on to explain what you need to do. He repeats it a second time, and then if we compare that to what Psalm 1-3 says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf will not wither. And man, I don't know about you, but I want that for my life. That's that abundant joy that we get by just simply following what the Lord has for us, uh, bringing the kingdom to earth and presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, as Romans 12 says. It's the only thing that we can do that makes any sense is, God, here I am, use me. And if you're listening to this, and this is, is, is stirring something up in you, just know this. If you don't do this, who will? If you don't help your neighbor, who will? God's put us in this privileged position to be able to help, to be able to serve. And it's here through Christian radio, and it's there through reaching out and changing the lives of one child. It's onechild.org. When you sponsor a child, it's only 39 bucks. It's, you know, I, I, I think the last time we ate out, it was more than that for just my wife and I. 39 bucks a month radically transforms a child's life. Mm. They receive holistic care. They've got a child champion on the ground, and we listen to those kids. We have a system, systematic listening tool called Voice of the Youth. We interview all of our kids. When you come to the Hope Center, a Hope Center is a place that, whether it's in a church or an actual facility or at a school, it's called a Hope Center. That's where the kids come every day, and their champions are there, and their champions are encouraging them in their schoolwork and doing Bible studies and, and saying, do you feel safe here? And we listen to what those, those responses are. Do you feel like you know Jesus? Do you feel safe? Do you, do you feel like you have somebody here that can listen that will come help you if you need help? And it helps shape our program. So we contextualize it all across the globe in 14 different countries. And, and I really have to believe that this is one of the many mandates of God. And this is just such a simple one to fulfill for us. And it's, it, like I said um, 20 minutes ago, these are my kids. So I'm going to ask you, help my kids because they need your help. And learn about their culture. Ask them great questions when you write letters. Send them photographs of your family, and you're going to get a picture of that child every year. 
connect in such a deep and meaningful way that you really are opening your mouth for the speechless. It, it's in the cause of all that are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Plead the cause of the poor and the needy, as Proverbs says. So there's going to be a lot of strong challenge uh, in the next week to ask you to present yourself in a pure and undefiled religion before God, which is simply this, visit the orphans and widows in their trouble, mm-hmm. and keep yourself unspotted from the world. And I think the, the word is clear. We can go on and on and on with what the Scripture says, but this is going to be our moment. It's one moment for one child, and you can make a difference in one child's life. Rosie told you to preach it, and boy, you did. Is there anything else you want him to do, Rosie? Because I got him on right now if you want to make him do anything else. He's, he's open. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I have to. We have several children that we sponsored, Gary and I. So I'm like, I have to go home and talk to Gary about some more kids. Yeah. But as you were talking, Mitch, uh, we did have a listener call through and she said, I'm sponsoring one right now. Isn't that cool? Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you so yeah. much for yeah. that. What a joy. We're so grateful for that. You know, I was... It changes that kid's life, but you know what? It changes ours, too. Mm. I've, I've sponsored kids for 19 years, and I've seen them graduate. I've gotten their letter upon graduation, which just makes you cry because they're telling you how grateful their family are, their family is for the opportunities and what they're going to do next. And you watch them go on, and you grab another child, and you grow with them. And it's it's been so encouraging and so exciting. So that listener is going to enter into that journey now, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. These kids are... In poverty, they, 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 they have need, and we can make a difference in their lives. It's um, kind of feels like a no-brainer, Mitch. I just got to tell you, yeah. you know, if a friend of mine called and said, you know, my son, he's not entirely sure what he wants to do with his life. Would you ever go to lunch with him? I'd go, yeah, of course I would. And of course, that lunch would be more than thirty-nine bucks, and I'd do that every month. I would do that every month right. if a friend called and said, "Would you talk to my son?" I go, yeah, of course I would. So yeah. I mean, you just try to think that there's so many kids in need and they need basics. They, they need hope. They need a chance to have a dream in life and to have their, their needs met and people that show up and care about them and love them. And I think faith radio is, is a great place to say, we will step up to the challenge. Amen. Absolutely. You know, we have an opportunity to be part of the solution here and that's how God's designed us. You know, one man picks up another man from the road and, and puts him in an inn and that's his neighbor. Yet it was a Samaritan. I know. The guys, they just, the guys they despise. Yet, what does God say? This is our neighbor. Yeah. This, this reaching out to our, our, our friend's child goes way beyond the walls of our town. Yeah. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about how God's kingdom really works, is it's global, and we are all united in the, in the principles of Christianity, that we can continue to do so and lift one another up and stir one another up as we first started out talking from Hebrews 10. Yeah. If anything, I, my prayer is that today I stirred you up as you're listening to be involved, to take a step of faith, trusting God as you look to sponsor a child. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. I want to just direct everyone to MyFaithRadio.com. That we already have it up on our website where you can uh, click on the one child, and there's a number of children that you can you can see right down the website, and you can take action to sponsor. Mitch, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Bless you. You bet. Mitch Hildebrandt's been my guest from OneChild.org. We'll take a short break, and we come back. I got a little surprise for you, because it's not Monday. Be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. 
All right, you know how I like to start my Mondays. I always like to start it talking to my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. But Monday was uh, Martin Luther King Day, and we had the day off, so I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But here we are. It's Thursday, and uh, I called him today and said, hey, would you want to come on the show on a Thursday? And he said no at first, but then he agreed to come on. So, Patrick, welcome. <laughs> well, yeah, and just so you know, uh, even because I was ready for Monday, so I will say what I was going to say Monday when you first introduced me, that, yes, Patrick Holmes is still throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> yeah. And he might still be on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, no, Although, no. When you sent me that message, you said, if if you don't come on, I will be forced to recite poetry uh, for 30 <laughs> minutes. And so I, I almost turned you down on that alone. Just to, just to tune in and listen. Yeah, because we get the we get the show here in Des Moines now. So I would have, uh, I don't know how many times you can do one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish <laughs> in a row. But uh, yeah. I would have enjoyed hearing your take. Yeah. So I got a couple of odd questions for you. Let me get them out of the way. I saw that 37% of uh, owners take their pets in for acupuncture. I'm wondering if Ace, your dog, would allow some doctor to put needles in his head. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I I, I mean, I remember I, I wanted to take him in for a CAT scan once he got all excited. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't. It, 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 this, is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder how often those doctors get bit. I yeah, it's a well. I recall when I had braces as a kid and as an adult. But um, uh, if you ever had them as as a kid many moons ago, they would take these molds of your teeth, mm-hmm. and uh, to first see just you know what kind of shape your teeth were in. And I don't know how old I was. I was like ten or something like that. And your the gag reflex reflex kicked in, and I bit the orthodontist. <laughs> so uh-huh. now. I have monthly appointments for the next three years, and every time I walk in, he goes, it's the biter. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> I, like, I got to get these off. This guy's making me crazy. Uh-huh. The biter's here. It's like three years. Come on, man. Cut me some slack. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I don't imagine that the dog would, what the, I don't know. Sometimes I see when the dog's, when our dog gets a vaccination, it doesn't seem to bother him all that much. Mm-hmm. But try to clip a toenail. Oh, forget about it. But I just, I, I think of these acupuncture needles going in the dog's head. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, how does, how does the dog stay calm? That's just, I would think he would have his little paw up on the top of his head trying to get whatever's on it off. Well, I, and I also would be curious, like, how do you know what the treatment's working? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how are the my how are the migraines? Yeah, <laughs> hard to know. tell, isn't it? <laughs> kind of hard to tell. Uh-huh. Another satisfied customer. Yeah. You know. Now, Patrick, so, we're of I, one accord that the world's gone mostly nuts, right? For the most part, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I had uh, uh, you know to go. I went and I didn't have to go. I wanted to go. My my daughter. It turns out she can sing. Not we're not entirely kind of sing. She, she can sing beautifully. From. I've heard yeah, her sing. So, uh, in case you were curious out there, people, uh, two negatives can make a positive. <laughs> <laughs> because neither my wife nor I can carry any kind yeah. of tune. Yeah. And, and so we just scratch our I've heads heard and you say, sing. this is, 
Yeah, yeah. You're one of the one of the rare few. Yeah. And uh, but uh, and she's we went to hear her concert and uh, you know so some of the kids are 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 masked, and it made me think you know, to back when you and I were kids and we would have to be in some sort of singing ensemble because <laughs> it was required. Mm -hmm. And you say, you know, you were sitting there, you say, all right, I, there's 40 kids here. I could probably just move my mouth and kind of pull this off. Right. Right. And I'm thinking how great these kids have it now. <laughs> well, you don't even have to move your mouth and say, what are you talking about? I'm singing back here. I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Oh, it would have been nice. Yeah, the world's gone a little bit crazy. Yeah. Did you have uh, another example? Well, besides, uh, no, I mean, I, the one example I had, which is M&Ms are announcing that their their characters are getting major makeovers and will have more nuanced personalities. I'm thinking we're nuts. It's M&Ms. You eat them. Well, some of us, some of them are nuts. <laughs> some are plain. <laughs> All right. Touche. You got me yeah. there. Yeah. It's, uh, so I, I did see that article. And it was kind of another noggin scratcher. They, they thought, well, I don't, uh, were there people out there saying, you know, until we get this M&M thing straightened out, there will, there will never be peace in the world. There will never be, will never be happiness. We'll never, because was it's almost like a, a, was it a diversity thing or uh, is it just I assume so. inclusiveness? Well, you know, I, I think part of it is in, inclusiveness and part of it is they just want to, uh, retool the images of the M&Ms. I didn't think they really had images, but apparently they do. So who knew? I think you just open a bag and eat them. That's what I think. Well, that's a, well, yeah, they, 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 just a handful in a bowl is always nice. And it made me wonder too, because wasn't there, uh, remember the big, uh, the, the Mr. Potato Head, the brouhaha. Oh yeah. Over Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. And then it kind of turned out, they said, well, we're not really doing anything thing with Mr. Potato Head, because it, it was kind of confusing. You said, well, the parts are all interchangeable. You can put the arm in the head hole, and I don't understand, you know, how do you make Mr. Potato Head, you know, Potato Head, mm -hmm. to be inclusive, anything other than what, what Potato Head is, but they got a, a ton of publicity, and I, I'm wondering if millions of people went out and said, before they ruined Mr. Potato Head, i got to get one for my collection. <laughs> I bet, they, I bet that, that drove sales up. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. And, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if M&Ms have ever suffered for sales. No, I don't think they uh, have. I have a weakness for that candy. Yeah, it's a, they're it's good. Just, it's a, couldn't be simpler. But I hope they still, um, you know, melt in your mouth, not in your hand, because if they ever change that. Yeah, you would. That's... You'd be mad. I know you'd be mad. Yeah. So I would love uh, for you, I think this is a good principle for many of us, is to uh, use your 48-hour rule. Talk about that. Ah, uh, yes, the 48-hour 48 48-hour rule. rule. Just about anything you hear, give it some time. Uh, especially if, if you just can't wait to get up on social media and, uh, you know, put your proverbial foot in your mouth because... So much stuff within 48 hours. You say, boy, did we just get some new information? Um, you know, I, I think there was a, a, another recent example, and I think it was an NPR reporter saying that there were some squabbling on the Supreme Court, that uh, Sonia Sotomayor was upset with Neil Gorsuch because he wouldn't wear a mask, and John Roberts got involved. And uh, there was just a big brouhaha, and people went to town on Twitter and said, well, look at this craziness that we live in. 
And then somebody got the bright idea. You're going to love this. This is the kind of thinking that goes on, people much smarter than you and I, to contact those three people that were involved <laughs> in this story. Yeah. Who would have thought that was a good idea? I, I, not me. No. And But whoever did, apparently this was a good idea because they said, we have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Nothing of, of the sort has ever happened. And But NPR, NPR couldn't wait 48 hours. If they would have waited 48 hours, they would have, and maybe even contacted the people and said, did this really happen? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's not just that you can get into trouble if you say go to social media and you have to, you have to eat your words, but we get worked up because we get excited and usually it's a negative thing. It's mm-hmm. always, isn't it always something that's like, oh, this, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. I've had it with these people. I'm never buying another M&M for as long as I live. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we live in a breaking then, news world. We, you know, there's, there's, we, we can't wait for anything. We can't wait for evidence to come out or for things to get analyzed. They have to throw out headlines and they have to try to create uh, clickbait to try to get you to read the story and click on the uh, yeah. the story. And, and it's, a, it's a feeding frenzy half the time. Well, I think it's a good question to ask yourself. And I'm no expert. Uh, and I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the expert to attest to the fact that I am no expert. That's true. But, uh, um, you know, why are you excited about this story? Because if, 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 you, if you see a headline or if you see a story and you say, aha, aha, this is it, finally, you know, they're going to get that Al Capone. Finally, they're going <laughs> to get them. And you're, you're all excited about that. Maybe you're excited because you have a dislike for this person or whatever it is. It might be displaced. And so now you don't want to dig in. You don't want to find out that it might not be true. It's just, you know, it's the old too good to be true. But, you know, why are you excited about the news? And maybe tamp down the excitement a little bit and say, well, I can wait a little bit. I can wait, you know, a couple of days and and let's see what they find out. Uh, and uh, sadly, I think that it's not just people looking for clickbait type stories to attract us. I do think there are people in positions of power that will use something that sounds too good to be true to rile up their base. I, I know that all sides do that. Uh, and you, you see it on social media so many times. You know, People say, I can't believe it. I think this guy, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And two days later, you say, now about that apology that should be coming right about now. 48 hours. It's not that long. Mm-hmm. And I think it also shows a little bit of restraint that is useful. Uh, you're not gossiping. You're not, I, you know, I hope I don't do that. Um, I especially hope I don't do that on the radio because uh, obviously you want to have news stories on occasion that are important to listeners and you want to uh, inform them. But I, sometimes I don't know if what I'm hearing and what I'm passing on is 100% reliable. So it always, oh, uh, I, yeah. it always causes me to, uh, to stop and, and wait. Well, and, you know, as you know, I don't like gossip, uh, unlike my friend Sally. As you know, she's... <laughs> she loves it. She just loves... She can't stop. Yeah. No, but um, it's... Isn't it amazing to think that, that 48 hours, to wait for something for 48 hours is now considered being patient? Mm-hmm. That's true. When did that happen? You know, because you and I would... Uh, you Let's say you would ask for something uh, for Christmas... And you didn't get it. And, you know, the parents would often say, well, you can maybe, maybe your birthday. Yeah, right. I don't know if I can. Now, for me, that was only five days. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But, you know, for some people uh, or or next year, 
you know, when you turn a certain age, uh, it, you, you had to be patient and you would wait sometimes years for things. And, and now we can't sit on something for 48 hours. And, and, and I admit, you know, I'm guilty as, as much as anybody else of sometimes falling for it and, you know, jumping in and saying, this is so exciting, you know, but, uh, yeah, 48 hours. Yeah. Not that hard. Well, and the whole idea of waiting, not, not only waiting on the Lord, but just having some restraint, I think is helpful and useful in life. I was talking to a guest uh, that I had in the studio named Sally. She was here today and we were chatting about waiting. And I said, when during the break, I said, if you ever got a chance to meet someone that you were absolutely over the moon to meet, let's just pick, for instance, let's just say Paul McCartney. Okay. One of the Beatles. Okay. All right. Let's just say for fun. And you get to his office and the secretary comes out, comes out and says, I know you have a three o'clock appointment, but he just got an urgent call that he's got to take. He's going to be on the phone about 20 minutes. So he asked you if you can wait 20 minutes. How do you feel about that? You go, I'll wait 20, I'll wait 40, I'll wait two hours if I have to. I'm going to be Paul McCartney today, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm canceling things. Right. So you don't have any problem waiting because you know you're going to be able to meet someone you've always wanted to meet. But basically in life, we're all in God's waiting room. We're all in God's waiting room waiting for him. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, we, we often sometimes we talk about uh, getting your affairs in order. And I, I know we've, I don't know if we've talked about it here, but you've heard the old analogy that if somebody were to call you and say, Hey, look, I have a free all expenses paid trip, uh, for two people for all, everything's paid for to Paris. And I, I'd love you to be able to be my number two person on that. Uh, here's the problem. It's Wednesday flight leaves on Saturday. Uh, what kind of things would you go through to get your affairs in order <laughs> so that you could do that? Yeah. Right? You would move heaven and you earth. You would jump through hoops. Yeah. So, yeah. So here we are. You know, God is saying, I have an all expenses paid. My son paid the expenses, by right. the way. <laughs> right. But I have an all expenses paid trip for you to the most exquisite place. Just get to get your affairs in order. Right. I, I, I can't tell you when it, when it leaves, though. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank goodness but, we don't but know. But it's... And thank, thank goodness we don't know, but mm-hmm. it's it's all taken care of. Just get your affairs in order. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah, but if you're struggling tonight with something and you're anxious and you feel like you're in God's waiting room, you're in the best place possible. You are in the very best place you can be. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, step aside just for a minute, be right back as we uh, continue this uh, amazing day. If you uh, missed any of the show, I always encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the podcast. We'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain that's me whistling. Say, Patrick Albanese is my guest. Uh, usually he's my uh, first guest on Mondays to get my week started. I always like starting the week with a little bit of lightheartedness, and uh, he is my guest today. Always glad to have him on. Say, I just got this lovely, lovely note from a veterinarian. Said, very tiny needles and proper placement. We just give good shots. Yes, bitten occasionally scratched and still loving it after 40 years. Wow. 
That's, uh, well, you know, I think I, I don't think I'd make a very good veterinarian. I'd probably try to keep everybody's pet, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. ooh, I love your love your dog keeping this one. You know, I, I don't think I'd be very good at it. Yeah. I also saw... I don't think I'd be good at a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. There's another story I yeah. saw where a woman's French bulldog was snatched in West Hollywood. The dog did turn up. Um, unfortunately, it turned up in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Kind of, we call that a, a, a road trip of some kind. Yeah. I've always thought that was kind of an anomaly, a French bulldog. I just, it's, you see, well, you know, because you, you always think of a bulldog as pretty tough, and then you think of French as being kind of polite and suave and dumb. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a strange mix of, uh, of a puppy there. It, uh, it's, I just I just noticed this thing, by the way, because I'm sure you get the same kind of reminders. Did you know that Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel are both 80 years old and they were born about three weeks apart? I did not know that. That's a, that's an, a fun and, fact known by few. Known by few. Yeah. And uh, I, I was looking it up because I, I think I had heard a rumor, no idea if this is true, which means there's no way this is true. <laughs> but they, maybe they get back together and they're going to write a song called My Little Townhouse now that they're much older. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I it, don't know why I yeah. brought that up. I just, well, no, but, just kinda... you know, we're talking about uh, people from the musical era like uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Amazing to think they're 80. I think McCartney's close to 80 as well. Uh, I know there is, uh, yeah. you know, it's an incredible uh, talent to have because it seems like you can stay pretty busy and pretty popular for most of your your career. And it seems like some people really get super popular as they get older Yes, and uh, they don't seem to lose. Um, I think I don't know if you saw that um, special they had uh, with um, uh, Tony Bennett. And I know you uh, you once abandoned me in Ireland. I did to go meet Tony Bennett. I did. Yeah, we I, I saw him on the street, a sidewalk cafe. Yeah, he looked in the window of the coffee shop I was sitting in, and I thought, wait a minute, that's Tony Bennett. And yeah. he walked by, and I ran out and yeah. introduced myself, and I said. Nice to meet you. And he was very cordial. He didn't have any guards or bodyguards or anything. He was just kind of wandering around the streets of Dublin. And so we were best friends for all of 30 seconds. It was great. I know. And you didn't even bring me with you on that particular trip. I recall that. No, I didn't have time for you. uh, Yeah. So not too long ago, I, as you recall, uh, drove Frankie Valley to the airport. He's almost, he's 87. Wow. 87. He's 87. And he was, and he had, the night before he was up on stage uh, singing wow, and that's putting fantastic. on a show at 87. And yeah, I don't know too many 87 year olds in other occupations that are still hard at work. Yeah. Um, and in showbiz can be pretty tough. It can be you know physically demanding. So it, it I, I think there is something that kind of keeps them youthful. It's that adrenaline uh, drug when you get on stage and you can perform. I think that's a big part of it. I think that soothes yes. a lot of pains when you're on stage and you can uh, do something God's gifted you to do and you're feeling like it's uh, bringing value to other people. Yeah. And 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 just you're one of the fortunate people that gets to do something that is so much fun to do. Mm-hmm. I sure hope they're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So nice. what's it like being a parent now with an 11-year-old daughter that just got her first phone? Well, she's 12 going on 13. Okay. I so stand corrected once I'm again. Not cr- I'm not crazy. <laughs> 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 uh, 
you know, there's going to be some trade-offs, and it's it's funny how you 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 you, you kind of fight this. Uh, and there's so many discussions on the parental forums that are like, oh, I wouldn't do it. You know, it'll be 22. And uh, but there's some great advantages. I mean, you know, I can always locate her. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's I, I mean, you know, do you remember having to did you ever have to try to find a pay phone to get a hold of your 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 mom or dad all the time? Yeah. Yeah. You, I find a pay you're phone. driving down the street looking for uh, gas stations that might have a phone on the corner. Yeah, a payphone. Yeah, I know it's amazing. And then you'd get the one where like the cord was cut or broken off, or the handset <laughs> was missing. You know, and the funny thing, notice how movies sort of evolved. That used to be the the problem, and they would try to do a phone tap, and it would take you know just keep them on the phone for twenty minutes. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty Very sure doable. cell phones. Yeah, then the only thing they had is lost signal. Now there's cell coverage everywhere, so they can't even do the lost signal dodge anymore. <laughs> yeah, because everything's it, all all that is left is for the battery to die. And so uh, I will make sure that my daughter's battery is always charged so that uh, she can't, um, you know, um, you know, claim to be I, I was I was going to call you. I was going to call you, Dad. But I think it it'll ultimately be good. I have control. Everything, you know, goes to my phone. I can see all conversations. Um, so I, I'm I'm trying not to worry about it too much. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know where where you're. Were your folks worried when you got a cassette player? Like, uh, well, well they, you're going to be in your room all day listening to music. Yeah, Why, my first like stereo was that thing you get from Sears that has that little, you know, it's like a suitcase, and it and then you open up the turntable and it comes, it opens up and lays flat. And the close and play, the close, the close and play, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the the sparkly yeah. speakers you can separate, and you you can yes. you can you can spill a Mountain Dew on it, and it still doesn't affect the sound quality. Because it was never very good sound <laughs> Well, yeah. just so you know, those are back, and my daughter has one. She wanted one for uh, Christmas, and so now it's we're always looking for vinyl for her, and I was able to dig up some of my old classics, some of my <laughs> yeah. old vinyl albums. Uh-huh. You kept you them, know, huh? Uh, good for from, you. Some, I, I didn't keep all of them. Yeah. They, they, for some reason, a handful of them ended up in, a, in one of my bins when I moved once, and I forgot about them. I forgot to get rid of them. So there they are. Uh, it's Henry VIII's greatest hits. <laughs> some of them go, some of them go back. What was your first uh, vinyl you bought? You know, some Gregorian chants. Right, first vinyl you bought. Ooh, you're taking way too long to answer this uh, question. Might have been Chicago, probably Chicago. Okay. Um, you know, the the the, the album with the white cover, twenty five yeah. or six to four. Yeah, yeah, great, great uh, album. That, that might, yeah, yeah, that might have been the first. Um, Fire and Rain, James Taylor certain... for me. Great one. Yeah. Great one. Um, I, I, of course, the Cars, uh, and that was later. I had had a bunch of albums by then. At a young age, I got into the cars. Amherst Lincoln Home. I know. You didn't like the Cars? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I liked Emerson Lake and Palmer. Okay. I, I, as a kid, uh, I liked the classical influences in there. Interesting. Knowing nothing, I had no idea what was being fed to me. By the way, <laughs> you know, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I would, I would listen. I said, "Wow, that's fantastic!" And then years later, I'd be listening to classical music, and I'd say, "I can't believe this Beethoven guy ripped off Emerson, Lake, and Palmer." <laughs> <laughs> How did they do it? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure the they were first. Influences. Wait, I'm. 
you know what? I might be wrong on that. I'm, I'm going to have to check the, the dates they were born. And uh, I think Beethoven's gone now, isn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Yeah. So that, that was, you can get those closing plays again, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. good to know. I, 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 yeah. I like mine. I think, I think mine was um, a hand-me-down from my cousin. I think he got it from off S&H Green Stamps. So it was a good oh, it was boy, quality, that was quality fun. unit. Yes, it was. Yeah. I, you know, that was, I don't know. We, I know we get nostalgic for some of these times, but I do like my digital music now. And I, you know, I like, I, I can go to the gym and everything, like the world of music is on my phone. I know. It's pretty cool. It's on my phone. Yeah, it's amazing. Anything I want. Yeah. It is pretty nice. And it's getting pretty cold out, by the way. Tomorrow's so cold. My gym in the front, they took the first, like, eight parking spots and made them those specialty parking spots. And I noticed this morning when it was real cold, all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of people who were uh, ex-military police, pregnant employees of the month, <laughs> suddenly parking right up front. Yeah. Well, Patrick, thanks for coming on on Look a Thursday that, when you're normally here on a, on a Monday. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. Patrick, Patrick Albanese has been my special guest on this Thursday. That's all the show we have for today. I want to thank all my guests, Guy Talk and Mitch Hildebrandt and Patrick, for coming on and spending time with me and spending time with you. I, I've loved being with you, and I'm looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. So have a nice evening, everyone. And as you lay your head on the pillow, know that God loves you and is working out his great plan in your life. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.